to be very long with you. If you could just remain standing with me for just the next few moments. Romans chapter 5. We're just going to read a few verses. Romans chapter 5. We're going to begin in verse 1. We're just going to read this portion of scripture here this morning. I want to talk to you about a great, great symbol. But more than a symbol, I want to talk about the power of who we are as Christians and what God has for us. This is a very, very powerful scripture. Just in and of itself, we can go off and really dissect this word just in these few verses. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. It says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen? amen? Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. I know a lot of times people don't like to hear that, but it's the word of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that sufferings produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from, the, from God's wrath through him? For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Powerful, powerful, powerful words. Father, anoint this word one more time in Jesus' name. And all together we said... Before you're seated, shake somebody's hand and tell them, at the cross. This morning, I'm excited to preach with you here this morning. And I believe that God has a timely word for us here this Easter, this resurrection Sunday. But if at any time, at any point in this message that you feel that the Spirit of God has given you the unction to say something, then by all means, say an amen. By all means, say a praise the Lord. By all means, say a hallelujah, thank you Jesus. Whatever you feel that edifies and glorifies God. Don't feel afraid to close your mouth, but by all means, open it up and let your body praise the Lord. Can I hear an amen? This morning I want to talk to you about a symbol that overrules, supersedes, and takes over any, every other symbol known to mankind. You can't get away from it. 
People wear it. Songs are written about it. Churches are built around it. Wars have been fought over it. And hope is looked for in it. And that is the cross. The cross. This is a great symbol of what you and I have within our lives now today. But it's not so much the symbol of the cross by itself, but it's what it represents and the power that it represents. And this morning, I want to share with you about this cross. Many people wear it, but I don't think they fully understand it. Many people have it around their neck, but I don't really think they understand the power that's in their hearts. There is something significant about the power of the cross. Can I hear an amen? Now, the significance of this power of the cross, I want to give you three things and then we're done. The first thing that we find about this power of the cross is that it signifies a victory. It signifies a winner. Can I hear an amen? Now, in this victory, there is something different about it. As you begin to study the means of this cross, back then, those that lived at that time when these crosses would come about, there was nothing wonderful about a cross. Actually, this cross would seem ridiculous to the people that lived then of what we show it now. This cross wasn't so great. The cross at this time signified something that was actually very shameful, very ugly, very foul, matter of fact, very despicable, even vile, and even very wretched. It showed and exemplified something that was unclean. This cross was reserved for the worst criminals and the worst offenders. How then did this ugly, ugly thing become a glowing theme of our faith? How did something so shameful become so significant? See, my friend, obviously it wasn't the cross, but the person that died on the cross. See, the cross itself is ugly. The cross itself is shameful. The cross itself is vile. It's not the cross, my friend, but it's the person that died on the cross. This is what made it powerful because of the person on the cross. Many of media today, movies and music, they show the cross and they use it as a symbol of power. But I want to tell you something, my friend. It's not the cross that is power, but it's the person that died on the cross that has the power. Many a times we look at it and we try to use it as, oh, there's power on the cross. No, my friend, there's power with the person that was on the cross. That's where the power comes from. My friend, it's not a cross that gets rid of vampires. Don't get it twisted. People today, oh, the cross, I'm going to show the symbol. My friend, it's not the symbol. It's the man that was on the cross. Matter of fact, just in case you didn't know, vampires, they're not real. It's a side note. You could write that down. Take it home. Twitter it. Oh, my gosh. They're not real. Today in the music and the movies and the media, they begin to twist what is the gleaming hope of our faith. Of who we are. Listen, my friend, I'm thankful for the cross. And I'm grateful for the cross. But I'm more grateful for the one that was on the cross. That's where the power is from, my friend. That's where the victory came from. This is what you and I have. See, it's more than just Christ even dying on the cross that makes it great. It's also the victory that was caused on the cross. 
the victory that was there. Because of this, you and I have power. See, Christ, who died on the cross, my friend, he was not a pathetic victim, but he was a princely victor. He was somebody who showed himself not only to uh, be given a death, but he says, I give my life up. He gave it up. He didn't go up there as a condemned man, but he went up there knowing what he was doing. He knew what was happening, and because of that, there was victory on that cross. See, my friend, this is something that you and I see as Christ marched to Calvary Hill. He went as a conscious master of his very own death. In John chapter 10, verse 18, he says, No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. See, in his agony... He found himself to be more than a conqueror by saying the greatest words of compassion that I find by any person ever recorded in the Chronicles of History. You'll find it in Luke chapter 23 verse 34. He says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. We see right here he became more than a conqueror. Even as you read the, the story of Jesus' death, one part of the story that really got me was this centurion. And he was there. He looked up. And in Mark chapter 15, verse 39, here's a centurion that he said, truly he must be the son of God. Think about this. This is a man who sees death practically every day, every week of his life. The harness of the hardened. He sees death all his life. And then he looks up one time and gets an enlightenment and says, wow, this man truly must be the son of God. Because he's seen something that no one else seen. There was something there. You know what it was? It was victory. When everyone else was dying and seemingly losing, here was a man that came and said, wow, this man claims victory over death. It wasn't just the cross, my friend. It was victory over this. The second thing that we find here in this symbol of the cross First we see a victory, and now we see also a sacrifice. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22, the Bible says, He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. In other words, morally, Jesus really had no business being on the cross. Then why did Jesus actually die on the cross if he had no sin? If he was perfect, why was a man who was perfect on a cross that was shameful? Why was he there? What was taking place? Paul writes it perfectly in Romans chapter 5 verse 8. He says, but God demonstrates his own love for us. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. Christ was a sacrifice for you and for me. The perfect sacrifice. That's why he did it. He didn't do it because he was perfect. He did it because you were imperfect. He did it because you were messed up. He did it because you needed a sacrifice. I don't know about you, but when I think about that, and I think about what God did for me, a messed up man like me that doesn't deserve it, it makes me grateful. Can I hear an amen? See, my friend, he didn't just die for the sin that you see with your eyes. He also died for the blackness and the sin of your heart. The pride, the arrogance, the hypocrisy, the self-righteousness, and the vicious cycles of our very own egos. See, my friend, 
I just don't look at everyone else's sins. I look at my sins. See, when we begin to read this story, and many of us, we've probably seen it on a movie, and we see the story as it was walked out there from the, the Garden of Gethsemane, and we say, man, Judas was all messed up. Listen, my friend, I was all messed up. Man, Pilate should have never did that. You should have never did that. Man, those centurions were beating him. You were beating him. I don't look at other people's sin and say, man, they were worse off than me. I was just as messed up. I was just as much going to hell as anybody else. But because of the sacrifice, listen to me. You know what a sacrifice A sacrifice is put in place where somebody else doesn't have to witness it. Where somebody else doesn't have to go through it. It's a sacrifice. On this cross, my friend, was a victory and a sacrifice for you and for me. He sacri sacrificed himself for my sins, for your sins. See, the Bible says it very clearly. Where sin abounds, grace abounds much, much more. He took, the, he took my place. He took your place. And he paid a price that we could not pay. That's a sacrifice. If you can't pay for it, somebody's going to have to pay for it. See, my friend, a lot of times we say, oh, man, it's free. Yes, my friend, it is free. You know why it's free? Because he already paid. It's already paid for. See, a lot of people are always trying to figure out, i got to work myself into salvation. My friend, no, you don't. Listen, if you're here visiting with us for the very first time here at this church, I want you to know something. You do not have to pay for salvation. It's free. I don't know who told you something else, but I want to tell you something, my friend. Salvation is free. It came at a cost. His sacrifice, his sacrifice made your sins wiped clean. That gets me every time. Even just saying it just gets me every time. The sacrifice of his blood. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold. Verse 19 says, but with the blood, precious blood of Jesus Christ. When I look at the cross here this morning, I can only say that God gave himself for me and he forgives me at his sacrifice. He forgives me at his sacrifice. The first thing we saw was a victory. The second thing we saw was a sacrifice. And now this is where it, we see something else. At the cross, a victory. At the cross, a sacrifice. But also at the cross is a call to commitment. At the cross was a call to commitment. See, my friend, the death of Jesus not only means that something amazing was done for me, but that something demanding is expected of me. Something is also expected of me. See, he sacrificed so that I can live. Paul said it best in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. This is your spiritual act of worship. Listen, my friend, why do you think the enemy is always trying to go around, trying to steal, trying to kill you, trying to destroy you? You know why? Because he wants a dead sacrifice. He wants, a dead, he wants to see you dead in your misery. He wants to see you dead in your pride. He wants to see you dead in your shame, dead in your guilt. But see, you and I 
See, God still wants a sacrifice, but you know what? He wants a living sacrifice. Alive, a living one, one that walks and talks and preaches the gospel and shares with those the same God that died and is alive again. He's in you. A living sacrifice. First Peter chapter 2, verse 21. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. See, for the Christians who take this cross very seriously, there is no such thing as a part-time surrender. It is truly a call to commitment. Listen, here this morning, for those of you that are here with us, and you're here seeing this cross that we have uh, erected here this, this morning, I want you to know something. It's more than just a cross that you see in front of a church or a cross you see inside of a church. It's more than just what you wear, my friend. It's a commitment that Christ is asking for. He committed his life. Now he's asking for a commitment to your life. See, a lot of times you will hear that, okay, as long as I wear a cross, I am fine, my friend. No, I want you to know something. Wearing a cross is not what Christ is asking for. He's asking you to bear your cross. Bearing the cross. We were doing an Easter production one time in the TV uh, news reporters came, and the news reporters came, and they wanted to interview the, the person who was doing Jesus. And the news reporter went to uh, the person that was depicting and acting like Jesus in the Easter production. And the reporter went up to him, and he seen that he was, had a cross right there. He had the thorns, and he was getting ready. And the reporter went up to him, and he looked at the cross, and he figured, well, it's probably a, sh uh, a hollow and you know, just a real light cross. And the reporter went up, and he said, can I hold the cross? And he held the cross, and he tried to pick it up. He couldn't even pick it up an inch off the ground. And the reporter put it down, and he said, why would you carry such a heavy cross? You're just acting. And the man who was playing Jesus said, I must learn how heavy the cross really is. I must learn how heavy this cross really is. See, there is a commitment that was made at the cross. It's more than just coming to church and wearing a tie, my friend. If a tie is all the commitment, then, my friend, you could take it right off right away. It's not the tie. It's not the dress. My friend, it's a commitment that's in your heart. That's what God is looking for. He's looking for a man and a woman that will say, hey, I will commit my life over to you, God. I surrender it all. Not a little bit. Not partial. Not just one day a week. But God, I give you my all. I give you my all. He gave you his all. Now he's looking for your all. My friend, as we begin to look at this man. This Jesus who died upon the cross for you and I. As we begin to even study this, many of the greatest minds of our time have tried to figure out the mystery of this man who died upon a tree. They've tried to wrap their genius around the spectacle of a simple man who defined complex intelligence. Philosophers have built equations around him. Kings, both dark and moral, have built civilizations around his life's adventures. History itself and split in half, B.C., before Christ, and A.D., Anno Domini. There is no zero because he filled the void. My friend, there is more going on at the cross than you and I can see with our natural eyes. There is more to a man with his outstretched hands being tortured by soldiers. See, this, my friend, is Jesus. 
the Christ. As you begin to really see and study the life of Jesus, many a times he was going around, many a times performing miracles, many a times even testing their faith, many a times looking at their faith, and a few times when Jesus would perform miracles, he would turn around and he would ask them, who do they say that I am? You're the prophet. You are this. You are the Messiah. You are this. You are that. And then he would look at them just like Peter. He would look at them right in the eyes and say, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? My friend, that's the question that I want to ask you here this morning. Who do you say that he is? Is he a person that you wear around your neck? Or is he a person that you have in your heart? See, my friend, the cross symbolizes the death. But your life symbolizes the resurrection. Your life symbolizes that Christ is alive and he's well. His spirit, it lives within you. His spirit comforts you. His spirit is right there with you. My friend, Christ dying on the cross, that was just the beginning. That was just the beginning. The resurrection shows the victor that he became. Can I hear an amen? As I began to watch that video that we showed just a little while ago, I got inspired myself. Telling a few of the guys, I said, man, I got inspired myself. And I really began to look into, man, well, who is Christ? There's so many names of Christ. And I got inspired about learning and, and studying my Jesus, my Lord, my Savior, my Master, my everything. And as I began to study him and look at him, I said, man, I began to put it in a fashion and in a form that hopefully I will do my best to convey as best as I can here this morning. It's not a poem, but it's something more of uh, kind of, I guess you could say, my own little piece that I've put together and seeing who God is and who he is. Jesus went around to the disciples many a time and said, who do you say that I am? Who do you think that I am? Well, here this morning, I want to tell you who he is. Look at your neighbor and say, this is who he is. Here this morning as you're visiting us, I want to tell you something. This is who he is. Jesus Christ. He is the maker of heaven and earth. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He is the son of God. He is the God-man. He is our humble servant. He is the man of sorrows. He is the messenger of the covenant. He is the good shepherd. He is the prince of peace. He is the bread of life. He is the bright and morning star. He is the lily of the valley. He is the rose of Sharon. He is the wonderful counselor. He is the lion of Judah. He is the living water. He is the God of recompense. He is the everlasting father. I'm not done yet. He is the precious cornerstone. He is the consuming fire. He is the sanctifier. He is the purifier. He is the dragon slayer. He is the ancient of days. He is the anointed one. He is the sinless savior. He is the great healer. He is the gentle whisperer. He is our banner. He is the resurrection of life. He is the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is the friend to tax collectors and sinners. He is the great high priest. Wow, I'm not done. He is the only begotten son. He is the potter. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the king eternal. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by him. He is my Lord. Woo. 
that's who he is. His love is glorious. His love is marvelous. His love is generous. His love is gracious. His love is matchless. His love is priceless. He's a humble servant. And he's the soon coming king and the Lord of lords. That's who he is. That's who he is. That's who he is. Who do you say that he is? Who do you say that he is? Is he a healer? Yes, he is. Is he your savior? Yes, he is. Is he your redeemer? Yes, he is. Is he a friend to sinners? Oh, thank God he is. Is he a friend to tax collectors? Wow. Some of you, I say the word IRS and you just want to run out the room. Yet here's Jesus dealing with mafia members, tax collectors, prostitutes. That's who he is. That's Jesus. As I began to put this together, I said, man, I could have gone on for more. There's a lot. There was so many. But I figured as I was writing, I go, man, I'm going to get out of breath if I keep on going. He's the breath of life. Praise the Lord. He told the disciples, he told Peter, he told many, he said, who do you say that I am? Am I a person still hanging on a cross? Because I just want you to know I'm not there. I'm not hanging on a cross. Cross is good. It's a symbol. It's symbolic. You want to know one of the reasons why I believe that we can't, we shouldn't find the bones of Jesus or even the tomb of Jesus? You know why I think? Because you know what? Us as men... We would worship the tomb. We would worship. We would worship the bones. Look at look at the things that we do, right? We'll take anything and we'll worship it. We'll take anything. Oh, look! He's a saint. Let's worship him. Oh, look! Look at this. It's got a big belly. Let's worship him. It's true, right? No, I'm not saying people here, but us as men, our, our, our nature is sinful. And we will, it's, it's a part of who we are. We want to give our worship to something. We have to. You have to worship something. So listen, here this morning, who do you say that he is? Because whoever you say he is, that's who you're going to worship. That's who you're going to praise. Here this morning, it's the cross. But it's the man that was on the cross. The cross is great. The cross is awesome. The cross is powerful. But the only reason why it has any power whatsoever is because of the person that was on the cross. The person that was on the cross. He died for you. He died for me. While we were still sinners. You know what I like what the scripture says? It says he did it at the right time. He did it at the right time. In other words, he didn't do it too early. And he definitely didn't do it too late. He did it right at the perfect time. Right at the perfect time. Some of you here this morning, you're about to get a perfect timed encounter with Jesus Christ. Some of you think, well, I, I'm all messed up. I, I still have all the, I've done all this stuff. Listen, 
you're at the perfect time. You're at the right place at the right time with the right people getting in the line with the right God. He loves you. He loves you just the way that you are. He loves you just the way that you came in. He loves you just the way that you, you look. So you're always trying to figure out, well, well, what about me? And you're always trying, me, me, me. What about this? I want to look like this. And God's saying, who do you say that I am? Not who you are. I know who you are. I made you. But who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Listen, here this, this morning, and not just this morning, but I pray the rest of your life, you would take the reflection off of you and put the reflection right there in the hand. And say, God, I want to look like you. I want to look like who you are. I want to look like what you've called me to be. Here this morning, this cross, it symbolizes a victor. There's a victory on it, a sacrifice, and also a call to commitment. Here this morning, if you've been to church a few times and you've come before, I'm glad you've come to church, but I don't want you to just do church. That's not why we have Victory Outreach here. We don't have Victory Outreach just to do church. We have Victory Outreach because we come together in a hub and we come together in unison. We come together in fellowship to say, okay, God, what do you want us to do? Where have you called us to go? Who do you want us to reach? Okay, let's go and do it together. Let's go fulfill the Great Commission together. And here this morning, I pray that you would come face to face with Jesus Christ. Not with church. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. You know what that means? Don't taste of church. Because church will let you down. Church, you'll spit it out. Church, you'll say, I don't like that. But when you come face to face with Jesus Christ and you taste of him, you say, wow, this is my resurrected Savior, my Lord, my Master. And because of that, I will do what he wants me to do. Stand with me here this morning. Hallelujah. Every head bowed and every eye closed here this morning. We're going to do something real special in just a little bit. We're going to have communion. But before we have communion, before we have that, I want to do something real special. As Christians, we have these ordinances that God has given us. Next week, we're going to be doing one of them. That's water baptism. And if you've never been baptized, I want to encourage you. Let next week be that time. And then today we're going to be doing communion. But the Bible says as you do these, you've got to examine yourself. Examine who you are and who you're not. Examine. According to the word. Here this morning, if you say, you know what, I'm a wretched man. I'm a wretched woman. And without Christ, I'm going to hell. And I recognize that. I recognize that I'm a sinner. I recognize that I messed up. And I recognize that I need a Savior. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, and you say, you know what? I'm a man. I'm a woman. I'm a person that I recognize that I need a Savior. I recognize that I need Jesus in my life. And I do not want to leave here with just wearing a cross or even looking at a cross the same, but I want to recognize that I need a resurrected Savior. I need a Savior that is with me 24-7. I need a Savior that is that has died for my sins, has sacrificed for my sins. 
Now, if that's you here this morning and you say, you know what? I need a Savior. I need Jesus Christ in my life. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. If you say, I need Jesus Christ in my life and you don't have him in your life, but you want him in your life. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand here this morning. A call to salvation. One, two, three. Just raise your hand if that's you. Raise your hand real high. Raise your hand real high. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you. You can put your hands down now. God bless you. Anybody else, if you say, you know what, I want to meet Jesus face to face as my personal Lord and Savior. I don't want to play around anymore. I don't want to mess around with this life that he's given me. I want to make sure that he is my Lord. He is my King. He is my Savior. He is my soon coming King. Anybody else, if you did not raise your hand, you could raise it right now. Come on, go ahead and raise your hand if you didn't already. God bless you. You can put your hand down. God bless you. You want Jesus as your Savior. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Now, this is what I want to do. I want to make one more call for you. For those of you that raised your hand and you said, you know what? I want this Jesus as my Savior. I want him to be Lord of my life. And you raised your hand as they get ready to sing this song. If that's you and you say, you know what? I want Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. And we have some people that are going to come with you as well we got people that believe in you as well. If you say, you know what, I raise my hand and I want Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior, I want you to do one more thing. I want you to slip out of your seat right now. I want you to come forth and I want to pray with you right now. Come on, if you raised your hand or even if you didn't, I want you to come forth right now. And you say, you know what, I want Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. Come on, come on up right now. Come on up, come on, give them a hand as they make their way. Come on up, come on. If you raise your hand, come on up, come on up, come on up, come on up. Awesome, come on up, come on up, come on up, come on up. Come on, give them a hand as they make their way. Come on up, come on up, my man. Come on up, come on up, come on. Come on, give them a hand as they make their way. Come on. If you're already saved, you know you should be clapping even louder. Come on, if you didn't raise, if you want to meet Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, your personal one, come on, come on up right now. Come on up. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This is, this is what I want to do. Can you guys come a little closer right here? Can you come a little closer? Come a little closer, just a little bit. This is awesome. This is great. This is what it's all about. Listen, this is what we're going to do. We're going to say a prayer. But just to be very clear, it's not the prayer that saves you. Okay, it's not the prayer that saves you. It's the life that you live after the prayer that you are constantly being transformed, constantly renewing your mind, saying, I don't want to be like my old ways. So after this prayer, you're saying, okay, God, I'm giving my life to you. I wasn't perfect yesterday. I don't even know if I'm going to be perfect tomorrow. But as of today, I'm accepting the one who is perfect, and that's you. So that's what we're going to do right here, right now. And we're saying, okay, God, I'm surrendering my life to you. Are you guys ready? Okay, come on. Are you guys ready? All right. Those of you out there, just stretch your hands forth, and we're going to pray. Repeat this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I come before you. A sinner asking for forgiveness of sins. Come into my heart and live forevermore. Because Jesus, I believe you died and rose again on the third day for someone like me. I'm not perfect, but you are. So Jesus, from here on out, sit on the throne of my heart. I give it to you.
In Jesus' name, amen. That's it right there. That is the starting of your new life with Christ. That is the beginning of it all right there. Come on, give him a hand. Listen, don't go nowhere. I want to pray with you right now. Let's pray. I want to pray with you. Father, I pray.